Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lux presents Hollywood. The Lux Radio Theater brings you Greer Garson and Walter Pidgeon in Madame Curie. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard a great deal lately about a magic substance called uranium, the key to radioactivity and atomic power. Yet half a century ago, from that same substance, came a discovery that promised untold benefits to man and added greatly to our knowledge of atomic energy. Our play tonight from Metro-Golden-Mare's epic screenplay, Madame Curie, deals not only with that thrilling search for radium, but with a man and woman whose love for each other was as great as their love for humanity and truth, and who both fought for sacrifice and courage. Little wonder that this drama called for two of the screen's outstanding stars, Greer Garson and Walter Pidgeon, who tonight appear in their original screen roles as Madame Curie and Pierre, her husband. The greatest roles, I think, that we've ever seen them in together. In a sense, the story of Madame Curie is a never-ending one, the eternal quest for new and better things to serve mankind. Certainly that quest is deeply rooted in our North American way of life, whether it applies to rockets pointed at the moon, to music, books, motion pictures, or to a simple luxury like Lux Toilet Soap. We're sticklers for perfection. And the millions of women who depend on Lux Soap for their beauty care are testimony of that urge to settle only for the very best. I know their insistence on Lux Soap is well rewarded. On with our play and the first act of Madame Curie, starring Greer Garson in the title role and Walter Pigeon as Pierre. As our theater lights are lowered, the curtain rises. Paris in the 1890s. At the world-famous Sorbonne University, Professor Perrault is lecturing to a group of students. Among them, intent and eager, is a young girl, Maria Sklodowska. Go out alone into space. Go out alone. Learn to be alone with nature, with a ray of light, a drop of rain, and a piece of earth. Then you'll learn to think alone, as they did. Men like Newton and Galileo. Probably it will not be your good fortune to reach so high, to catch a star on your fingertips, but the rewards to catch of investigation, of exploration... To catch a star on your fingertips. Not far from the university is the scientific laboratory of Dr. Pierre Curie, where Dr. Curie has just disclosed a highly unscientific opinion. What was that you said, Doctor? 
I said, David, that tea parties are an instrument of the devil. Oh. Oh, yes, sir. I am a fool. I must be polite but firm. Polite but firm, yes, definitely. Well, if I've done something wrong, sir, if I've been whistling, I was not aware of it, sir. I abominate whistling in the laboratory. Yes, sir. Oh, but you have not been whistling. Uh, David, I went to a tea party yesterday at Professor Perot's. As a result, a pupil of Perot's will be working with us for a short time. Yes, sir. A special assignment, something to do with the study of uh, the magnetic properties of steel. Well, that should be very interesting, sir. Unfortunately, the pupil is a girl. A girl, sir? Yes, uh, I've got it written down here somewhere. Oh, yes, Marie Skodowska. She's a girl. Oh. Well, I, I didn't know until it was too late. Always the continual struggle against woman, David. Oh, yes, sir. And women scientists are particularly unattractive, sir. In the world of abstract research, woman is a menace. Oh, there's no doubt of it, sir. So we'll put Miss, uh, uh, Miss uh, Sklodowska in the corner. And look, be sure to inform her how important silence is to laboratory concentration. Yes, sir. I trust whistling is not a national characteristic of the Poles. She's Polish, sir? Yes. Oh, um, uh, the magnetometer in the storeroom, uh, Perot says she'll need one. I'll get it now, sir. I'm very sorry for your troubles, Dr. Curie. Thank you, David. I beg your pardon. Oh, oh, I'm looking for Dr. Curie's laboratory. Oh, you're looking for... But you're not. I mean, you can't be. Well, I'm Dr. Curie's assistant. Oh, then perhaps you'll direct me, please. Well, I certainly will. I certainly will. Well, what do you think of that? You know, Dr. Curie has asked me to look out for you. Oh? Oh, indeed. Well, here we are. Here she is, Dr. Curie. Ran straight into her the first thing. Uh, oh, uh, good morning, mademoiselle. Good morning, Dr. Curie. Well, I'm uh, sure David will see that you are properly installed, mademoiselle. I'm uh, quite absorbed with my work here, uh, uh, as you can see. Dr. Curie, I appreciate this chance more than I can say. Oh, not at all. Not at all. And I do hope you'll be quite comfortable. Do you think this desk will do, mademoiselle? Oh, it's excellent. Thank you. Uh, better get a little more light. The shades. Uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Curie. It's uh, quite all right. That still isn't enough light. Please, please don't bother. Oh, but Dr. Curie wants you to be comfortable. I'll just... Uh, sorry, sir. Yes, David? I'd better take my hat and coat off. Oh, and... allow me. I'll hang them up in the cupboard. Really, monsieur, there's no need to... <sighs> oh, I beg your pardon, Dr. Curie. Just hanging up her coat. Oh, uh, my office is just upstairs, mademoiselle. I hope you won't hesitate to call on me. You're if... very kind. Thank oh, you. and I better give you some advice where to eat around here. There's a very nice little restaurant. Yes, just... I don't think we should talk, Dr. Curie. Well, I just I... thought you'd like to know where to eat. Yes, yes. But I'll I... take you there today myself. Please, please don't trouble. Oh, no trouble at all. I'll come down for you at noon. <whistles> oh, uh, sorry, Dr. Curie. I'm sorry, too, Dr. Curie. I'll try and be as inconspicuous as possible. Uh, that will be very kind of you, mademoiselle. Very kind. Oh, mademoiselle. Good evening, Dr. Curie. Uh, standing here in the entrance? The rain. I'll be waiting for it to stop. Rain? Oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, well, good evening. Uh, oh, but uh, but you have no umbrella, mademoiselle. Uh, perhaps uh, perhaps I can help you. Oh, I don't want to trouble you. Oh, no, no trouble at all. No uh, trouble at all. Thank you. You're very kind. Not at all, mademoiselle. I'll be very happy to accompany you to your lodging. 
May I ask another question, Dr. Curie? It's a simple matter, but I, I find it very puzzling. Yes? In the symmetry L sub Q and 2L sub Q, you include only those rotations which are integral multiples of 2 pi over Q. But 2 pi times K over Q excludes the identity transformation if K is not an integer. Yes, for the finite K, that applies. Well? But in the limit L sub infinity, a difficulty seems to arise. I, I, I don't see why. Well, well, if you consider the matter rigorously, I think you... You might... Oh, this is where I live. Yes, yes. I, I think I see what you mean, mademoiselle. Well, uh, I, I'll have to look into this. Goodbye, Dr. Curie. Of course, and thank you. Of course. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, mademoiselle, uh, may I say your conversation is very scintillating? Thank you. Daring hypothesis. I you must want to get killed? Why don't you look where you're going? Oh, uh, I, I beg your pardon. Limit L sub infinity. Limit L sub infinity. Yes, 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 of course. Good morning, mademoiselle. Good morning, Dr. Curie. I, uh, I, I've just uh, been to my publisher's, uh, uh, my book. Oh, it's out. Yes, uh, just uh, off the press. How proud you must be. I, uh, uh, well, I, I thought perhaps you might like to have a copy. I would very much. Well, then it's, it's, it's yours, mademoiselle. Oh, thank you. Not at all, not at all. Well, I, uh, uh, I'd better get down to work. Oh, uh, uh, the, the book, mademoiselle. Yes? Uh, I, I, I inscribed the book to you, mademoiselle, on the, uh, on, on the flyleaf. Oh, uh, to mademoiselle Stodorska, with, with respect and friendship of the author. Uh, I, I, I believe that's the usual procedure. I'm very flattered, Dr. Curie. Oh, n not at all, not at all. Ah, Dr. Becquerel. I hope I'm not intruding, Curie, but could you step over to my laboratory? I think I've happened on something of great interest. Well, of course. What is it? Uh, uh, aren't you uh, coming, mademoiselle? If I may. You don't mind, doctor, if mademoiselle... No, no, is... delighted, delighted. I think you'll agree it's really most extraordinary. Oh, this way. I don't understand, Dr. Becquerel. This photographic plate obviously is light-struck. Yes, light-struck. Uh -huh. But the amazing thing is that it became light-struck lying in this drawer with a piece of rock. A closed drawer? Yes, in total darkness. But uh, how is that possible? I don't know. I told you about my experiments, my idea that certain minerals might store up light and energy from the sun. Well, your experiments have been successful. I, I just don't know. You see, I didn't even know the rock was in the drawer with the photographic plate. Then how do you explain... The... Well, now look at this plate. This was no accident. This no. was deliberate. I took this second plate, placed a key on it, and over the key I set this same piece of rock. Now, what do you see? A picture of a key. That, that rock, Dr. Becquerel, may I ask what it is? It's called pitch blend, mademoiselle. You mean, then, that there is something about pitch blend that gives off rays of its own, rays powerful enough to affect a photographic plate? That, monsieur, must be so. It's incredible. It's as if there were a piece of the sun locked up in this rock. A piece of the sun locked up in the rock. I try to concentrate on my work, but it's impossible. Dr. Becquerel's discovery? Yes, yes, of course. Now, how did you know? Because all week I've been thinking about it, too. Very strange. What could it be? What could be the nature of the radiation? Perhaps we shall never know. It's the most exciting problem. Yeah. David's promised to write and tell me how it develops. Write to you? 
Why? Because my work here is done, Doctor, and I'll be studying. My examinations come up in less than two weeks. So soon. Well, I, I hadn't realized. It's the middle of June. The term's nearly over. The middle of June. You know, I always used to look forward to my summers in the country. My parents have a small place at Sioux, and I used to take long walks through the woods there. Soon I shall be walking in the country. My father loves to walk. Your father? Here in Paris? Oh, no, no, Doctor. In Warsaw. Warsaw? But... You're not thinking of going to Warsaw. Well, had you forgotten that if I pass my examinations, I'm going back to Poland to teach? But I... Well, I, I knew that was your idea, but well, everything has changed now. You're making experiments of your own. You're... I know. I know. And I shall miss Paris. Oh, I, I hadn't planned on this at all. How, how can you abandon science when you're making such progress? You have talent, a definite talent, and it's your duty to use it. Oh, mademoiselle, I, I, I beg you to reconsider. That's very kind of you, Dr. Curie. I'm... I'm really flattered. But I'm afraid I can't give up the entire plan that I've had for so long. I, I thought, of course, that you knew. I do not understand how anyone with a scientific mind can entertain the thought of abandoning science. Dr. Curie, I had meant to ask you. I suppose you wouldn't care to attend my graduation. Well, I should enjoy very much seeing you get your degree, but, uh, well, uh, I have a... There's always such a crowd. Oh, I understand. I feel exactly the same way myself. Yeah. Well, I, I should be coming in again, of course, to see to a few things. Uh, goodbye, Dr. Curie. Goodbye, mademoiselle. Come in. Dr. Curie. How do you do? Oh, Oh, please come in. Thank you. I, uh, I looked all over for you at the graduation ceremonies. You were there? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm very proud of you, mademoiselle. First in your class in physics. Oh, thank you. I, I never dreamed that I would... I, I mean, I, I was even afraid that I, that I mightn't... Uh, oh, oh, I am so glad that you were able to be there. Uh, you've been uh, packing. Yes, I'm leaving for Poland on Tuesday. Ah, then you haven't reconsidered. I'm afraid not. Yes, I see uh, well, then I presume there'd be no time for uh, something I had in mind. That is, I, well, I, I thought it might be nice for you to take away with you something of the Paris countryside. I thought, well, that you might like to spend the weekend with my parents. But oh. Of course, I see that would be impossible because you'll be uh, busy packing and doing one thing and another, I suppose. Yes, the, the idea is quite preposterous. The idea is not preposterous at all. I should like to come. Very much. You would? Yes. Thank you. Well, then. Uh, 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 well, then. This was uh, Jack's room when he was home. My brother's. Oh, it's charming. I hope you rest well, my dear. All I ever seem to say to the Curies is thank you. Please let me say it again. Thank you for the lovely day. I've been very happy. Really, you should stay, mademoiselle. We'd love to have you with us for a time. I'd like very much to stay, but my father's expecting me. It's no use, Mother. She's determined to go to Poland, and apparently, as far as she's concerned, signs can be forgotten. I... I did try to explain to you. I... I thought you understood. I... I do understand. I'm sorry. Well, good night, my dear. Good night, Madame Curie. Good night, Mademoiselle. Good night. Pierre. You shouldn't have spoken to her like that. She's a very obstinate girl, Mother. Well, after all, Poland's her home. What's that? What are you talking about? Still up, Father? 
Uh, who's obstinate? Me? No, no uh, Mademoiselle Stradowska. Yeah, saw that the first moment I clapped eyes on her. Won't listen to reason. Closes your mind like a clam. And she's so intelligent about other things. Well, good night, Mother, Father. Good night, good night. Good night. Good night. Blind as a bat. Who? Who? Your son, of course. Eugene, what's that? Someone's walking about. That's your brilliant son. He's been pacing up and down in there for an hour. But maybe he's ill. Go to sleep, Mama. He's thinking. Thinking? What about? What about? Does he ever think of anything but science? Oh, yes. I guess you're right. I'll never have a grandchild. Never. Yeah, but of course. Why haven't I ever thought of that before? Mademoiselle? Mademoiselle Skodowska? Are you awake, Mademoiselle? What is it? What is it? Something wrong? Oh, uh, Mademoiselle. Oh, excuse me. But I, 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 I find it impossible for you to leave Paris. But what on uh, earth? No, please. I must talk to you. Uh, during these past two weeks, when you've not been coming to the laboratory, I've found everything very confusing. It's impossible to do my work. In short, it, it's impossible to go on without you. But now, suddenly, something has become very clear to me. Mademoiselle... I am helpful to you in the laboratory, am I not? Am I not? Didn't you say that? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, a, a few times I've been able to make suggestions which you have found valuable. Of course, Dr. Curie, but well, what does that mean? Now, whereas I am inclined to be nervous and impatient, you are quite the opposite. You have a clear mind, you are tenacious, you will never give up. It, it, it's an excellent combination. I might compare it with the chemical formula NaCl, sodium chloride. It's a stable, necessary compound. So... We marry on this basis, our marriage would always be the same. No distractions, no fluctuations, none of the uncertainties and emotions of love. But I... Oh, I, I, I know how you feel about love. It's, it's my own conviction. Uh, for the scientist, there is no time for love. But it, it's stupid to believe in generalizations. In our case, it would be a wonderful collaboration. A wonderful collaboration. Uh, don't you feel that? I feel that. And, and as for Poland, what little good you could do there, you could make up here tenfold on your own ground, science. Science? Oh, what do you think I should do? It, it would be a very fine thing, I believe, to pass our lives together with our common scientific dream, to work together constantly in our search, and any discovery that we should make, no matter how small, it, it would deepen the friendship we already have for each other and increase the respect we mutually feel. I can imagine no respect or friendship greater than I have for you now. I can imagine no future so full of promise as the one you offer. Then I suggest that you stay on in Paris with me. I believe you are right. I should like to remain in Paris very much. Thank you. Well, uh, good night, Marie. Good night. Oh, oh, I, I, I forgot something. May, may I kiss you, Mary? Please do, Pierre. You, you are very lovely. Thank you, Pierre. 
In just a moment, we'll bring you the second act of Madame Curie, starring Greer Gosson and Walter Pigeon. Hollywood is a magic city where success stories are frequent and numerous. Here's one, however, that is really unusual. A young actress in a minor role in a great musical production plays it so beautifully that the director of her picture has a special scene written in for her. Let me introduce the talented Metro-Golden-Mare starlet, Miss Helene Stanley. Oh, it was so exciting to have a part in Holiday in Mexico, Mr. Keeley. And I had a special reason to be thrilled playing that extra scene. What was that, Helene? You see, I'm a 17-year-old girl who imagines herself in love with Walter Pigeon, who plays the role of an American ambassador. It wasn't hard to play that scene because I've always been mad about it. <laughs> you and countless other feminine fans. Seriously, Helene, I, I understand you have special qualifications to be in a picture that stars such noted musicians as Xavier Cugat and Jose Aturbe. Aren't you quite musical yourself? Well, I play the piano and I've studied singing too. And that's why it was particularly fascinating to be in the same picture with the lovely young singing star, Jane Powell. I'd say Miss Stanley had other qualifications that contribute to the success of Holiday in Mexico. The picture is in Technicolor and Helene's auburn hair and creamy complexion. Well, I, I heard an envious young lady say just the other night, Helene, that you have the loveliest complexion she'd ever seen. Like magnolia petals. Those were the words she used. Thank you, Mr. Keeley, for passing on that very nice compliment. You might tell the young lady that my complexion care is very simple. I'm sure it would work for her, too. I told her that. Said I was sure you're a Lux girl. Yes, that I am, Mr. Kennedy. Lux toilet soap is my daily beauty standby. Alona Massey, one of the stars of my picture, tells me she always uses Lux soap. And she's really glamorous. Thanks, Miss Stanley. I'm sure your own beauty and talent will bring you even greater success. Lovely women everywhere find that Hollywood's own beauty soap agrees with delicate skin. That's why nine out of ten famous screen stars depend on it for daily complexion care. If you haven't tried this gentle white soap, why not get some tomorrow? Use it for a luxurious bath soap, too. It's thrifty. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. We bring you the second act of tonight's play, starring Greer Garson as Madame Curie and Walter Pigeon as Pierre. It's a month later. On a peaceful summer evening, Marie and Pierre Curie sit on the deck of a small river steamer that bears them back to Paris from their honeymoon. Music is lovely, isn't it? Lovely, yes. Pierre, when we get back to Paris, what shall I work on? Isn't there anything that particularly interests you? Oh, I thought a number of things interested me, but now somehow... Yeah? Well, I can't seem to get it out of my mind. What Dr. Becquerel showed us, the pitch blend. What about it? Pitch blend gives off rays. Yes, but, but what is this energy? Where does it come from? I suppose I'm being very foolish. Some of the greatest achievements of science have come through that same sort of challenging foolishness. But I wouldn't know how to start, Pierre. I wouldn't know what to do. Well, maybe, um, maybe I'll be able to help you. I'm so very glad we're married to each other, Pierre. So am I, darling.
Hello, darling. Pierre. Hello, darling. Oh, I, I, I lost the market list you gave me. I, you know, I couldn't remember if you said carrots or turnips, so I got both. I think we'll survive, dear. Your mother likes carrots and your father likes turnips. And here are the flowers for the cook. Oh, thank you, Pierre. Marie, what's the matter? I know you hated to leave the laboratory so early today, but tomorrow's coming. Oh, if only there was something I could look forward to tomorrow. I'm so discouraged, Pierre. What is it? Exactly. What is it that's wrong? I don't know. My measurements. They don't mean a thing. I know I must be making a mistake somewhere, but I don't know where. I've checked them 200 times. Look, I'll go over them with you in the morning, dear. Now, let's not even think about the laboratory tonight. Promise? I promise. Right. Hurry now. Off with your coat and help me with the dinner. Marie, if you ate some of those turnips instead of just staring at them, you wouldn't look so peaked. Just ignore him, my dear, while you look lovely. And she's too thin. Oh. Pierre isn't treating her right. I know I'm not, Father. Between the house and the laboratory, well, it's, it's too much. Women don't belong in laboratories. Women should stay home and have children. Oh, dear, he's off again. A woman without a child is a parasite, a, a bloodsucker. Marie, are you listening to me? Of course, Father. A woman without a child is a bloodsucker. But he didn't mean you, my dear. She's just the one I did mean. But I... I am going to have a child. Marie? When, my dear, when? Soon, I hope. Marie? Well, well, the prospective father's going to say something at last. Marie, the, the electrometer. Are you sure the insulation was dry? Yes, Pierre. He's getting quite chatty lately, isn't he? Did you check the ground connection? Why, no, I thought you gave it to me in good condition. Well, sometimes it works loose. Pierre, that could be possible, couldn't it? In that case, my measurements may be correct. Yes. Oh, Pierre, that must be it. That must be it. If we could only get to the laboratory right now, we could... Uh, oh. All right, all right. Go ahead and check it. Father, it's just that, well, Marie's had so many setbacks in her work and... Don't stop to explain. Leave your guests and go. Oh, please forgive us for running off like this. It's just that I've been waiting for so many months. Of course, dear. You and Pierre run along. I'll just be a second. Pierre, my coat, quick. Oh, uh, why didn't I think of that ground connection weeks ago? The you know, Mama, sometimes I think that son of yours is slightly demented. It was awfully nice having dinner with you, Father. Yeah, nice having dinner with you, too. Happens every time. Every time. But are you sure, Pierre? Are you sure? Well, there's nothing wrong with the ground connection, Mary. I was wrong. I was so sure we'd find it. Marie... You've tested all the elements. You sure of that? Yes, I'm positive. Would you would you like to show me how you made your measurements? You wouldn't mind? Of course not. All right, then. Here, this rock. This is a piece of crude pitch blend. Oh, I've done this so many times, I've lost count. Anyway, we know that the rays come from the uranium and the thorium contained in this crude ore. Correct. I put the crude pitch blend in this mortar. Has the mortar always been clean? Always, and I grind it up. Here in this dish is ground pitch blend. Ah. Now, I place it in the electrometer, and... Oh, would you draw the blinds, Pierre? Now, I close the specimen case in the electrometer so there'll be no draft. Good. And I charge the electrometer. Now, we'll find out how much energy the rays in the pitch blend have. Is that right? Right. Now, what's the needle register? Ready? Ready. All right, read. The needle stops at eight. Eight. The same reading I've always had. Now, here is pure uranium extracted from the same amount of pitch blend. Put this in exactly the same place, close the specimen case, charge the electrometer. Now, we'll find out how much energy the rays in the uranium have. Right. Ready? Read. Needle stops at two. Same as always. We know then that the pitch blend with the uranium and thorium comes to eight, and with uranium alone, it reads two. I will test the thorium. From the same amount of pitch blend? Of course. Put that in exactly the same place. Close the specimen case. Charge the electrometer. Right. Ready. Read. The needle stops 
At two. Two. I don't understand. When the uranium and the thorium are in the pitch blend, the reading is eight. But individually, they only total four. Then where are those four missing points? That's what I don't understand. I don't understand. You've made a chemical analysis of all the elements in the pitch blend? Of course. It's all on the blackboard over there. Uranium oxide, 75%. Thorium oxide, 13%. Lead sulfide, 3%. Silicon dioxide, 2%. Calcium oxide, 3%. Barium oxide, 2%. Iron oxide, 1%. Magnesium oxide, 0.99%. Other extraneous matters, 0.01%. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our universe is composed of definitely known substances, isn't it? Elements that are fixed forever, inert, unchanging. We know that, don't we? All of our science is based on that, yes. Pierre, what if there were a kind of matter in the world we never dreamed of? What would that mean? It would mean that our whole conception of the nature of matter would have to be changed. It's, it's cold in here. What are you thinking? Tell me. I, I don't quite dare. Go on, say it. What if we did not make a mistake in our measurements? What if there exists a matter that is not inert, but alive, dynamic? Look on the blackboard. Other extraneous matter. Do we dare think that our four missing points are in that one hundredth of one percent? Here. What if we've discovered a new element an active element. A new element. The residue of the pitch blend. What was left over after I extracted the uranium and thorium, it must be contained in that residue. Where is it? Here, in this filter paper. Put in the electrometer. Marie, if your four missing points are in this residue, our whole notion of the universe will be changed. Ready? Ready. Read. Uh, give me a hand. Look here. Four. The indicator needle goes to four. Found them. The four missing points. Oh, Marie. Marie, it's all been arranged. We're to see the directors of the university tomorrow. Just think after all these months. Oh, they will give us a laboratory, Pierre. They, they will. Of course they will. Marie, what have you been doing? Oh, just writing my diary. Your diary? The same old notebook covered with gray linen that you used in school. <laughs> I trust I have been favorably commented upon? Not a syllable. What's more important than I? Well, lots of things. For example, gooseberry jelly. <laughs> if you're so curious, I'll read it to you. Today I took eight pounds of fruit in the same weight in crystallized sugar. After an ebullition of ten minutes, I passed the mixture through a rather fine sieve. I obtained 14 pots of very good jelly. Not transparent, which took perfectly. Amazing. Let me see now what else you've written here. Uh, the baby is walking very well these days on all fours. Mm -hmm. Her vocabulary continues to startle me. Saturday morning, she said, Googly, googly, go. <laughs> later that day, later that day in the laboratory, Pierre and I discovered polonium. Marie, gooseberry jelly in full detail and one line for polonium. What a rare woman you are. <laughs> a woman who cooks like a scientist and practices science, I'm afraid, like a cook. Indeed. Just wait till tomorrow. Just wait till the directors hear what you've done. I make a prophecy, Marie. They'll build the finest laboratory in France. All in your honor. Uh, Madame Curie, uh, you and your husband here ask that we, as directors of the University of Paris, furnish you with new laboratories and new equipment. Yes, monsieur. Based on the reports which we have given you. You claim that you and Dr. Curie have detected the presence of a new element. 
Unfortunately, you furnish us with no convincing proof. We have demonstrated its existence experimentally. We've carried on our research intensively, except for five weeks in the autumn. In September, my daughter was born, and a week later, my husband had the misfortune to lose his mother. The rest of the time, we have devoted entirely to research. And yet, in these eight or nine months, you have come no closer to any proof as to the existence of... Uh, uh, what's the name you've given it? Uh, my wife has named it Radium, monsieur. Oh, yes, Radium. This work would require a great deal of time, Dr. Curie? Yes, of course, Professor Roger. And uh, Madame Curie, in spite of her acknowledged abilities, is young, inexperienced, and a woman. Gentlemen... It is perfectly true that Madame Curie is young, that she has not had the experience most of us have had, that she is a woman. But let me impress upon you, she is a most unusual woman. I might say, well, uh, a most unusual woman. I can assure you, gentlemen, that she is a remarkable scientist, as scrupulous as she is brilliant, and, and furthermore... Uh, that's enough. Oh. Uh, we understand that you are convinced as to the reliability of Madame Curie's investigations. Entirely. And I have put aside my own research to devote all my time to collaborating with her. Dr. Curie, the most we can do is to offer you the use of the shed near the School of Physics. It's not the most suitable place for your investigations, but the it's the shed? best... The shed? The shed, gentlemen? If this abominable shack is available, it's only because no one else can be found who's willing to work in it. The roof leaks. It has no floor but the wet ground. In summer, it is, is as stifling as a hothouse, and in winter, it freezes. And do you imagine that I would permit my wife to work under these appalling conditions? Yeah, if you enough. do, gentlemen, believe me... Uh, huh? Gentlemen, uh, with my husband's permission, we shall be very glad to accept the shed. Uh, we shall be very grateful to have the shed, gentlemen. <laughs> At first, it was sheer physical labor, infinitely too arduous for Marie. But through the bitter winter days between us, we put into operation an entire chemical plant. From the mines of Bohemia arrived the pitch plant. Eight tons of it, sack after sack, which Pierre carried on his shoulders to the tank from which we planned to extract all known elements until only a few ounces remained. Out of eight tons, a few ounces of radium. The months ran into years. So there came a day at last when we'd reduced the original eight tons to two final elements. One was barium and the other the precious elusive radium. Yes, the end of our task was in sight. All that remained was to separate these last two survivors, barium and radium. This was the problem, somehow to separate barium and radium. The electrometer's charging, Pierre. Close the specimen case. Read it, Pierre. Read it. No separation, Marie. No separation. No separation. No separation. No separation. No separation. November the 10th, 1899. Second experiment. No separation. July the 16th, 1900. 458th experiment. Radium still refuses to be separated from barium. We've done all we can. We can do no more. Pierre, Pierre, hmm? we're ready to try again. No, we're not ready. How much longer do you think you can drive yourself like this? How much longer do you think I can stand by and watch you destroy yourself, kill yourself? We're ready, Pierre. No, the world is done without radium till now. What does it matter if it isn't isolated for another hundred years? I 
can't give it up. If it takes a hundred years, it would be a pity. I'm going to see how far I can go in my lifetime. Give me the beaker. Thank you, Pierre. Here. Marie, your hand. My hand? Yeah, those burns. Oh, they're nothing, Pierre, really, nothing. But how did you... I'll attend to them later. You'll see a doctor about them tonight. Tonight, yes, tonight. Yes, darling, yes, tonight, tonight. You ready now? I'm ready. Experiment 459. Dr. friends, Madame Curie. You say they haven't given you any pain much? Only a little irritation, Doctor, at times. Mm. I don't want to alarm you, Madame Curie, but it's possible that these burns might de develop malignantly if you continue to expose them to these experiments. Malignantly? They might develop into a cancerous nature. I see. It is my advice, Madame, that you abandon your experiments immediately. Thank you, Doctor. You only said the burns might develop. Might develop into cancer? No, no, no. He said they might possibly develop into a, a, a cancerous nature, but only if exposed to our radium. So if we're careful, there's nothing to be frightened about. I, I, I won't allow you to take such risks. I won't permit it. Pierre, listen to me, please. There's something I must say to you, and then you shall decide as you wish. Very well. Since I left the doctors, I've been thinking. If radium has power enough to affect healthy tissue like mine... Power enough to destroy tissue. Pierre, if it has this power, why hasn't it also the power to destroy unhealthy tissue? Do you realize what this might mean? It could heal, Pierre. All manner of diseases, maybe. Like cancer, even? Yes, Pierre, it might even do that. But, Marie... Oh, Pierre, can't you see how, how unimportant little things like this are compared with what it might mean? It might prevent great sicknesses, even deaths, Pierre. We can't stop now. We can't. Promise me, Marie. Promise me you won't do anything. I promise to take care of myself, darling. I promise to use every possible precaution. We'll... We'll try again, Marie. Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you. In a moment, we'll be back with Act Three of Madame Curie, starring Greer Garson and Walter Pidgeon. Ladies and gentlemen, a high honor is to be awarded this evening to the employees of Lever Brothers Company, our sponsor. 3,000 miles away in a New York studio are the president of the National Safety Council, Mr. Ned H. Dearborn, and the president of Lever Brothers Company, Mr. Charles Luckman. Come in, Mr. Dearborn. Thank you, Mr. Keeley, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Our story is a thrilling one, Mr. Keeley, because it deals with saving human lives. Since its founding in 1913, the National Safety Council has worked to convince people that accidents cause suffering, cost money, and cost lives. Although accidents still happen, we have accomplished much, because well over 300,000 lives have already been saved by organized safety work. The member companies in our organization are constantly eliminating accidents, not only through safety devices on machines, but by training everyone in their employ to safe habits. It costs the companies behind this organization a great deal of money and time and patience to accomplish results. 
Their hearts have to be in it. I'm very happy that Mr. Charles Luckman, the president of Lever Brothers Company, is one of our mo most vigorous crusaders for safety. And now, Mr. Luckman, it gives me the greatest pleasure to present you as president of Lever Brothers Company this certificate, the award of honor for distinguished service to safety. And with it, I present also the National Safety Council's S pennant. The white star on it indicates that your company has won the council's highest award twice. A truly notable achievement. Thank you, Mr. Dearman, and thanks also to the National Safety Council. You're so very right in what you've said. The story you have to tell of saving human, human lives is thrilling. And in order to succeed in reducing accidents as close as possible to the vanishing point, everyone must have his heart in it. I am with you and the National Safety Council completely and without reservation. I'm accepting this award with great happiness on behalf of all the members of the vast Lever family throughout the United States. This is so very definitely a family enterprise. No single person in the business can make it succeed all by himself. No single individual can protect himself if others around him are careless. But on the other hand, and this is so important, no real degree of safety can be attained unless each and every individual operates as though he himself were entirely responsible for the safety program. I take my hat off to all members of the Lever family. They have set up a record that is dramatically excellent, not only in and of itself, but in comparison with the other large firms in our industry, it is outstanding. I say this only to point out to the Lever people listening in how fine is their accomplishment. I feel that I can safely pledge to you that all of us in the Lever organization will continue to do our utmost to work safely, play safely, live safely, and promote safety, both for ourselves and for others. Thank you, Mr. Luckman, and all our heartiest congratulations. We continue into Act Three of Madame Curie, starring Greer Garson in the title role and Walter Pigeon as Pierre. <laughs> Mary's fingers healed, and though they didn't find a way to separate radium from barium in a single process, they did discover a method of removing barium little by little in infinitesimal amounts. Do you know what this will involve, Mary? I know. Evaporations, countless evaporations, crystallizations. It, it, it will take months and months. And maybe years, Pierre. But someday nothing will be left but radium. So they began the thousands of separate operations, crystallizing and recrystallizing, until what was once eight tons of pitch blend was now contained in a solitary bowl half filled with a colorless liquid. Hour after hour, they wait for it to crystallize. Pierre, what time is it? We must have fallen asleep. It's, it's five o'clock. Oh, it must be crystallized by now. Our radium, it must be there. Take the lid off the bowl, dear. You look first, Pierre. Well, well tell me, tell me. Look. Nothing. 
It's empty. Not a trace of anything, not a grain. Only the stain. What's happened? What happened, Pierre? Where's our radium? What have we done? Where is it? I don't know. What did we do that was wrong? What could we have done? We've done nothing wrong. I can't stand it, Pierre. We've worked for years and years and years. It must be there. It must be there. Four long years in this shed. Four long years. There, there. Now we're going home, Mary. We're human beings. We have a child in a home. And we're going to them. What's the matter with Mommy, Daddy? Why didn't she finish the story? Doesn't she feel good? She's tired, darling. So tired her eyes couldn't stay open any longer. Would you tell me a story? Yes, darling, if you'll close your eyes. Talk quietly, Daddy, so we don't wake up Mommy. What's the story about? Well, it's, it's about a strange and wonderful treasure that was locked up in an enchanted stone. Isn't there a princess in it? Yes, a beautiful princess with golden hair. She, she looked very much like your mother. And a prince, too? No, only a man who lived all alone until the princess found him. Did they love each other? Very much. My eyes are closed, Daddy. Well... One day, the princess told the man about this wonderful treasure. So they decided to search for it together. The princess knew that if they could get it out of the stone, it might let people see the wonderful things that they had never been able to see before. So they worked very hard for a long, long time to try to rescue the treasure from the stone. But they grew very tired, and at last they knew they would never be able to free the treasure from the enchantment of the stone. But they weren't sad about it, because they knew that no matter how many disappointments they had, they would always go on together, having the courage to take the many disappointments because they were together. And they lived happily ever after. you were asleep. I, I can't sleep. I can't accept it, Pierre. The radium. Sometimes there are things you, well, you just must accept. If only I knew why we failed. Months and months ago, we knew we'd found the right process. Now at the very end, why should it fail? I don't know. I do not know. Pierre, that stain on the bowl. Stain? What we were expecting to find was a definite amount of radium, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Something we could see and feel, about as much as a pinch of salt, you said. Yes. Pierre. Pierre, what if it... What if it's merely a question of amount? What if there's so little radium in proportion to the amount of material that even now we couldn't see it? What if that stain, even if it were the merest, the merest breath... Go on, go on. Pierre, could it be that that stain is radium? I'm getting up. I'm going to the laboratory right now. Hurry, hurry, darling. It's so dark in here. Wait, I'll, I'll find a lamp. Pierre. Yes? Look. On the table. Bowl. Marie. It's glowing. The bowl is glowing in the dark. Do you know what that means? It's there. The radium, it's there. The stain in an empty bowl. It's there. It's there. It's there. Oh, oh, 
woman scientist discovers amazing new elements. Scientists predict new era with discovery of radium. Curies turn down millions for secret of radium. Doctor and Madame Curie give gift of radium to humanity. Curie is to receive Nobel Prize for radium. I thought you were dozing. Know what I'm doing. You're sitting in a chair in a beautiful garden far from Paris, and you're having the first rest you've had for years. You know what else I'm doing? I'm walking through the new laboratory the university is giving us. Oh, it'll be wonderful to get back to work again. We've lost so much time. Oh, Pierre, the time we spent down here hasn't been lost. We've got our strength back again. Yes, that's true. We were ill, both of us, more than we knew. You know, when we first came here... I used to have some fantastically morbid thoughts. How do you mean? Well, I, I, I had a feeling I didn't have much time to lose, that my days were, oh, well, that, well, that I mustn't waste them. What a horrible thought. Marie, why, it's just because I was so ill. Oh, now, come, darling, don't take it so seriously. Oh, it frightens me. I'm sorry I mentioned it. It was nothing. Pierre, if, if one of us should ever go, the other couldn't go on alone. It couldn't be expected of us, could it? Mm, you're wrong, dear. If one should go, the other must work on just the same. But I, for one, have no intention of going anywhere except to our wonderful new laboratory. Just think of it. After all this indolence, only one more week to wait. Pierre. Yes, dear. There's something I want to tell you, darling. Well? well somehow <clears throat> I... I just can't find the words. Pierre, are you proud of me at all? Marie. Because I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud that sometimes I think I'll burst. You're a very great man, Pierre. Not the way the world means, but just you. Your kindness and your gentleness and your wisdom. I love you, Pierre, so deeply. I never dreamed that... I'm so thankful, Pierre. That's, that's what I wanted to tell you. That's what I hope you've always known. But what does it say in the newspaper, Grandpa? Tell me. Tell me. Well, give me a chance. Uh, France has seen fit to bestow upon this famous scientific couple a truly great honor in return for their services to science and mankind. Well, young lady, you duly impressed? Mm -hmm. The president and faculty of the University of Paris will present Pierre and Madame Curie with a fully equipped laboratory and staff, which oh. to carry on the many experiments they have opened the gateway to. There will be a formal presentation of the laboratory at 6.30 tonight, at which the world-famous couple will appear. <laughs> well, not bad, huh? Not bad. It's terrible. Daddy! Hello, darling. What's the matter with this house today? The place is in a turmoil and, and a rainstorm. Now, sit down and relax, Pierre. Relax. Where's Marie? I can't find her anywhere. A house without a woman. I, I, I don't understand. Marie! But she's upstairs, Daddy. Upstairs at this hour? She's having a fitting on her new dress for the ceremonies tonight. It's supposed to be a surprise. Oh, good, good. That's, that's a very sound idea. Well, just remember, I didn't tell you. How am I going to remember anything today? Pardon, is Dr. Pierre here? Uh, this is him. Well, what do you want? Oh, that's the seamstress, Pierre. Oh. Madame Curie, doctor. She would like to see you. 
like the gun, Pierre. Really? Oh, I do very much, Mary. You ought to have some kind of a, of a, of a little ornament, hadn't you? Oh, nonsense. Yes, yes, something bright. I've seen them on women, and, and they, they look very nice. Don't look at me like that. You make me self-conscious. No, I, I, I was just thinking. Evening dress becomes you, so. But there you are. We just haven't had the time, have we? Oh, listen to that. Our beautiful day ruined. It's pouring. It'll stop, dear. Don't worry. Well, I must be going. I have a hundred things to do today. I, I've made a list, and I want to clean everything up and start fresh at the new laboratory in the morning. Just don't be late, Pierre. Professor Perrault's calling for us at six. I'll be here. And don't forget your rubbers. I won't. Goodbye, darling. Bye, Marie. <laughs> else you could show me? Uh, earrings, perhaps? Oh, yes, monsieur. These, for example. Very lovely. Yes. Yes, they are. And what, what are these? These are garnets, monsieur. Really? Well, I, I hardly know which to... It uh... could depend on the lady, monsieur. Is she blonde or... Oh, blonde, definitely. Not, uh, not too blonde. I... Well, her hair is sort of a gold, you know? Gold? Yes. And her eyes are gray. Very calm and gray, and her coloring is very, very lovely. Sort of a smooth skin and nice, delicate coloring. And, uh, well, I, I don't know whether it would be of any help to you, but, but I believe the lady is, is quite beautiful. Oh, yes, monsieur. I would say the garnets by all. Well, here are the earrings, doctor, all wrapped up. It's been such an honor, Dr. Curie. I didn't know at first it was you. Thank you for your help. She liked the earrings, I'm sure. Good day, monsieur. And it's my painful duty to tell you, Madame Curie, that your husband has been the victim of a street accident. He was instantly killed. He could have suffered no pain. Dr. Perot is here to see you, Marie. Marie, it's your old teacher, dear. Dr. Perot. You see, just the same. She just sits, seeing nothing, hearing nothing. Marie? Forgive me if I intrude, Marie. I, I do so as Pierre's old friend and your old friend. Marie, think what Pierre would have wished you to do. Somewhere within yourself, you must find the strength to carry on his work and your own. Marie, ten years ago, you told me so often you were impressed by something I said when you were in my class. I spoke of Newton, Galileo, and I said that probably none of you would reach so high to catch a star in your fingertips. I was wrong. I have truly seen you reach into the high places of knowledge and catch a star on your fingertips. Marie, there are more stars. There's nothing more for me. Pierre is gone. They brought this home. Watch and change. This piece of paper with reminders. 
CBL at Institute regarding precautions against accident to laboratory workers. Go to printers, buy, buy earrings for Marie. He was killed in front of a shop buying earrings for me. <laughs> faltered for a moment, yes, but then took up again the work for which she was born. A quarter of a century later, the University of Paris observed the 25th anniversary of the discovery of radium. On that occasion, frail but still bright-eyed and eager, was the wife of Pierre Curie. No one of us can do much for science or humanity. Yet each of us, perhaps, can catch some gleam of knowledge which, modest and insufficient of itself, may add to man's dream of truth. It is by these small candles in our darkness that we see before us, little by little, the dim outlines of that great plan that shapes the universe. And I am among those who think that for this reason, science has great beauty and with its great spiritual strength will in time cleanse this world of its evils, its ignorance, its poverty, its diseases, wars, and heartaches. Many years ago, an obscure poet of my native land set forth a creed which I have never forgotten. May I repeat his words to you now? Look for the clear light of truth. Look for unknown new roads. Even when man's sight is keener far than now, Divine wonder will never fail him. Leave then the dreams of yesterday and build the temples of the future. A great play calls for great artists. And here are the stars who gave us such a memorable evening, Greer Gosson and Walter Pidgeon. Thank you, Bill. I'm sure Walter and I will always remember the pictures we made together. How could a man forget a girl like you, Greer? <laughs> Greer, the last time you were on this stage, the Gallup poll had voted you for the second time America's favorite actress. And I know you're a leading contender for the same title this year. Well, I'm very grateful to the theater goers, Bill. For that matter, I imagine Greer is the most decorated star in Hollywood. I can tell you a secret. Her statue, sculpted in wax, has been placed in Madame 